0: Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about Ranked Choice Voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used Ranked Choice Voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serves as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy focused, rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections.
1: Welcome to the March 2019 episode of RCD Clips. I'm Karen Brinson-Bell, a member of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team. Today I'm talking with Dave McDonald. Dave worked with Alameda County, California government for 27 years. From 2006 until his retirement in 2012, he actually served as both the Alameda County Registrar of Voters and Chief Information Officer. He used this dual role as an opportunity to increase the use of technology in elections. And in 2010, he implemented ranked choice voting for three cities simultaneously, Berkeley, Oakland, and San Leandro. And that's the focus of our conversation with Dave for this podcast episode. Thanks for joining us today, Dave.
2: My pleasure to be here.
1: If you would, uh, share with us the background on how RCV came to be used in Berkeley, Oakland, and San Leandro.
2: Sure. Well, we have the the three cities, as you mentioned, that were interested in implementing ranked choice voting. And I think it kind of started with Oakland. They had a ballot measure at some point uh, asking the people if they would be interested in in using ranked choice voting. And it passed overwhelmingly. The problem was the technology wasn't in place to implement it. So the ballot measure said when the registrar of voters is capable of implementing ranked choice voting would like to do it. And then the other two cities jumped on board with that. Uh, San Leander I think had a ballot measure, Berkeley was just the city council. So we we were ready to go except we didn't have the software to do it and so nothing happened for a while until finally our vendor developed some software that uh, allowed us to implement ranked choice voting. And so that's really kind of how it started.
1: And just because elections are administered in different ways around the country, what's the role of the Registrar's Office in implementing and, and administering RCD?
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because we have uh, quite a few cities in Alameda County, and technically each of them is certainly capable and, and they have the authority to go off and run their own elections in reality though it just doesn't make sense to split that up among all those cities so all the elections are really administered centrally by the the county of alameda but we do it uh, obviously with a lot of consultation and talking to city clerks in each of the cities
1: so you and your team, I mean, you mentioned that the vendor provided the software that was necessary, but what did you and your team have to do to get ready for um, RCV the first time and to get it up and running effectively?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in the best of times, uh, smooth election is a lot of work. And so, you know, when you implement anything new, it just really adds a, a lot to the process. So for the Here we had a November 2010 election, and we started preparing for it in February. So, you know, that's and we worked nonstop uh, during that whole time. Uh, We had to get the software. We had to test it. We really had to understand internally how ranked choice voting worked. So I did a lot of time training staff. um, And, you know, so they could explain to voters or anybody else who wanted to know about it but also testing the software, making sure we understood how it worked, how are we gonna report uh, the results on election night. So a lot goes into it. Uh, And I I mean, I can go through all that detail, but we spent those 10 months or so uh, just really working hard at making this thing work.
1: Yeah, as a former election administrator myself, I think it's often overlooked how much goes into preparing for any election. Um, we we do certainly work more than two days a year, wouldn't you say?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm sure you get this question all the time, too. And it's, well, what do you do the rest of the year? I mean, you guys must sit around and do nothing. Well, you know, it's during running up to an election. It is not unusual to work for months uh, and just have a day off here and there. I, I know when I first took over the elections, I didn't have an election background and I kind of got thrown into the mix. And so I was all gung ho, and I just I worked staff to death. And uh, so I remember one Friday, I said, "Okay, guys, here's our here's our schedule for this weekend, Saturday and Sunday." And one of my staff kind of raised her hand and said, "You know, Dave, we haven't had a day off in almost six months." So I said, "Okay, you can we'll we'll just work a half a day this week." So you've really got to. It's hard to appreciate how difficult it is on staff. And that was just my first election. It was a it was a big election. It was a hotly contested. uh, some local elections.
1: Were there differences in the initial implementation of RCV, any obstacles or challenges that you you recognized with that, that you were able to address in future elections?
2: Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's lots of things that happen uh, with RCV. Most, most of the election is just the normal stuff. Um, but when you implement RCV, the first thing is the ballot design. You know, how do you, how do you do this? With with our software, it only allows us to do three choices. Now, I think that'll change, and there will be more than three. Uh, so you lay out the ballot. And then, um, well, you know, you have to talk about outreach. Um, how do you let people know what's coming? And and we did a lot of uh, outreach, tons of material. And, of course, everything we do, back then we did it in three languages. English, Spanish, and Chinese. Now I think we're doing three more languages. So if you do it in English, you got to do it in all those other languages. So we had to talk about how we were going to educate voters, let them know what's coming. And uh, and that was a lot of work. We, we put together a little brochure. We had mailers that went to every single voter in the county at least once. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not cheap either to do all of that
1: were these efforts you were already doing for voter education or outreach or was this additional that you've added because of ranked choice?
2: Yeah, this was additional. Um, I mean, we, I think we did a lot of creative things. You know, we really tried to touch at some point, every single voter uh, in those three cities. So, you know, and that's, that's a lot of people that we had to talk to. I mean, it was, maybe around 350,000 voters, give or take.
1: Across the three cities?
2: Across the three cities, right. Yeah.
1: So what were some of those things you did? Okay, well,
2: you know, the brochure, a little trifold brochure that um, I I didn't go anywhere without a stack of those. And so every chance I got, I would pass them out to people. We had a, a great partnership with uh, our local bus company called AC Transit so it happened the person who ran AC Transit was my ex-boss and so I talked to her and she gave us a bus to use they put those those wrappers on it um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know so it, it uh, said I forget exactly what it said but you know Alameda County voting or something and we would take that and they gave us the driver because they don't want me driving this bus but they gave us a driver. We'd go out to different community events. We'd talk about ranked choice voting, pass out brochures. We had a kickoff in each of the three cities with the bus. So we did that. Um, we What else did we do? We gave tons of presentations. I kind of, for a long time there, every single day, weekends, uh, I would go out making presentations. I, I never said no to anybody who wanted me to come out and talk about ranked choice voting. And I had people <clears throat> that could give presentations in Spanish and Chinese as well. So we went to the to, oh, farmers markets. <laughs> we, were, we were everywhere. We even put together a little PSA. Uh, you know how you go to the movie theater and they essentially play commercials before the movie starts. Well, right. we had one we had one of those little commercials with me just saying oh, ranked choice voting is coming, and just a brief description of what it was
1: that's a great idea uh I think when we talk with jurisdictions, they're always looking for you know what were what are effective techniques to reach the voters and and I don't know that anyone's mentioned the idea of a movie theater ad, so that's a great suggestion
2: uh yeah, well, you know it's whatever you can do just to let people know what's coming, you can't. You know, in a little, I, I forget how long it was, maybe 30 seconds, something like that. In 30 seconds, you're not going to give a lot of detail, but it's raising the awareness. And, and you have to focus, What what is it, what's the message you're trying to get out to the voters? And kind of early on, we decided that our approach is going to be, without getting into all the, what happens behind the scenes, here's how you mark your ballot. You know, you've got three choices, and here's how you mark it. Um, and, and rather than talk about the algorithm later uh, on how it works, now we could do that, and, and certainly talk a lot about it in individual trainings and in community presentations. But uh, you know, to start with, just mark your ballot correctly.
1: It's interesting that you found that because we found that as well in North Carolina, and as we've Work with the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You know, one of our goals has been to just share best practices. So I think I think we're on to something. And and you'd probably be interested to know that in in doing usability testing with the Center for Civic Design, uh, they've actually found that that's the approach with voters that that's most effective is good written and oral instruction and and just helping them to know how the how to how to properly mark their ballot. Um, yeah,
2: so uh, that makes a lot of sense is, to me. And 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 we, we had great success with that. Um, you know, the numbers, the statistics, uh, the majority of people marked their ballots correctly. You know, they had a, a, a at least one vote count.
1: That's great. So how did the voters react to using right choice voting the first time and subsequent times?
2: You know, anytime you change something in elections, you get get some uh Push back, um, but, you know, and, and you get good feedback and bad feedback. So I remember when I first took over, we converted from fill in the bubble to connect the arrow. And I mean, it was, it was a major change. So now we throw ranked choice voting at people, uh, which is a, you know, quite a, quite a difference. And when I would go out and give presentations, I'd explain it. And at first, people were, I wouldn't say hostile, but they weren't very receptive. But then after I got into it and explained why and the advantages, for the most part, people were okay with it. I mean, they were willing to give it a chance. Uh, I wouldn't say there was wild enthusiasm at every meeting I went to, but for the most part, people at least understood it. So Mm -hmm. they got it. Um, Now, subsequent elections, each one gets easier. You know, we don't, now we don't do the outreach that we did back then. It's just not um, needed anymore. People kind of get it. But those first, the first election was was a little tougher.
1: Right. Um, Lack of familiarity, like you mentioned. With multiple languages and demographic groups, did you observe any difference in understanding?
2: We really concentrated a lot of our outreach efforts, quite frankly, in the in the poor areas, um, just because, you know, they're not as, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you have election junkies. But you have people that, that follow elections and every little nuance that goes on in a lot of the areas that are economically disadvantaged. They don't have that same level of interest. And so I want to make sure that we got out into the Hispanic community, the Chinese community, the African-American community, and really uh, let them know what was going on. So I don't think we saw really any difference in um, errors that voters made when they marked their ballots. Um, we, also, we also had a uh, an extra poll worker at each one of our polling places uh, that was trained especially in, in ranked choice voting. So they could answer any any questions that came up, um, and and that I think that seemed to help uh, to do that because they and they spoke the language in that community. So we had Chinese and Spanish speakers at at those polling places.
1: Certainly, and did so. You've mentioned you you brought on a, an additional worker at the polling places mm-hmm. uh, that obviously had an expense. What kind of expenses do you feel like you had? <laughs> the initial implementation, and then did the expenses change as you continue to use Ranked Choice?
2: Yeah, the first time is always more expensive. So, um, what I did when we first started this, I formed an advisory group, and that was a pretty good-sized group. Uh, it was people from each of the three cities, the mayors of each of the cities that were either there or had a representative. As well as the public, uh, League of Women Voters, it was a pretty big committee, and so I went through what our plans were, and um, laid out the cost. We came up with a budget, and um now this is 2010, so it's a few years ago. But our our budget, we set at a million five, and that that included cost of the software plus all of the things I mentioned, and so. You know, there was some pushback on that because we were, of course, what the county does is we bill the cities for all of our work. Um, And so I'm kind of a big believer in always coming coming in under budget, and we did. Our actual cost for this was a little over a million Mm dollars, which I think is, is pretty reasonable when you factor in the cost of the software and training and staffing and all of our materials. And then we broke out that cost proportionally. To the cities uh, based on their uh, number of registered voters, so they they had a proportional share.
1: And but they didn't have that kind of cost as you went into additional years. Is that
2: no subsequent years were a lot cheaper. And of course, you know, with ranked choice voting, what it allows you to do it eliminates that primary election. So in All 2010, right. we would have those cities would have had a June election, and then a November runoff. So with ranked choice voting, you eliminate that June election, and you go straight to the November election, where you have more. In theory, at least, you have greater turnout, um, and so you eliminate the cost of that one election.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. That's often a question we do get asked, and it's it's sometimes overlooked that that you've had those election expenses. Um, you've saved money, you know, by by eliminating an election that you have to conduct. Um, okay. We've talked back and forth about. Uh, Running RCV elections and non-RCV elections. Do you have any uh, thoughts on differences between uh, running administering both types of elections?
2: I don't know that it's usually different. I mean, there's a couple of things you really have to think about, and and so the first thing is how do you report results on election night? Um, and as you know, uh, especially in California, when the polls close at eight o'clock, um, it takes us days and days uh to count all the ballots in california we have this it's a a bit of a problem so many people vote by mail now uh, which is great i mean we'd love that but what they do is they don't mail it in they drop it off at the polling place so we've got to go and gather up all those ballots uh we have to signature check uh, the envelope so we don't touch those for a day or two So on election night with ranked choice voting, what do you report? So the first election, I felt pretty strongly, we shouldn't really run the algorithm. Um, We should just count the first choice votes and that would kind of give you a snapshot. Well, later I changed my mind. And so what we do now is we go ahead and run the algorithm on election night. And then in Alameda County, we generally release results every day after after election night uh, until the election is done and so i think that helped a little there's a lot of confusion because somebody can be in first place on election night counting the first choice votes well and especially if you have a crowded race with a lot of candidates that can change dramatically and for us it did right. we had two we had two very close uh, mayor races and uh, with an upset uh, so you know that. That was really that. That made it uh, get a lot of attention, more so than it probably would have otherwise.
1: Though we know sometimes there can be a, a you know, the same thing could occur between a, a primary or runoff and and who the outcome of the final election is too. But um, yes, there is that that moment of suspense. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Well, it was it was kind of funny because one of the major proponents of ranked choice voting was the mayor in uh, San Leandro and. Uh, he he was, I mean, he was a strong proponent, and he even told me he didn't think we needed to do any outreach. He wanted to save some money and not do any outreach to voters because it was so easy to understand. And, I, of course, I, I kind of overruled that and said, no, we have to. Well, unfortunately for him, he lost that race. Um, and uh, was it because of ranked choice voting? I don't know. But he, after that, he was not very happy.
1: Right. Well, and I think you you touch on something that's just the best practice in election in general. Anytime there's a change to to do some level of, of outreach, uh, wouldn't you say? Right.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, outreach is, is key for something like this. Um, and, you know, the county is getting ready to implement uh, new equipment, new voting equipment. And uh, same thing is happening. They're going to be doing a lot of outreach, letting people know it's coming. It's just a tremendous amount of work. The other thing I would say that uh, kind of a lesson that I learned through this, and I'm I'm glad I did it, but I I really try to document everything we did as far as the outreach goes and and what we did to prepare. Because you know you're going to get voters complain, um, and they're going to complain to their city councils, um, and and that's not with ranked choice voting, that's with everything. So one of the complaints that somebody. Uh, community group made was that the Red Star voters didn't do enough outreach. And uh, so the city council was kind of up in arms until I came and made a presentation to them. And I showed them exactly what we did. And they they switched a, a full 180 from you didn't do enough to, oh, my God, we didn't realize how much you were doing. So right. I think it's it's great to have that documentation so you can really let people know what you do
1: any other best practices that you would want to share
2: well um, as I said on uh, um, run the algorithm uh, frequently so people aren't surprised at what's going on um, you can't do too much outreach as far as I'm concerned um, and and just document everything that you do to prepare I mean you should I think that's kind of a normal thing you'd do for any election uh, you've you've got to be able to demonstrate what you've done, because as you know in in elections, um, it's like a, a full employment act for lawyers. I mean, everybody's suing everybody all the time. And right. So it always it's always helpful to show what you did.
1: Uh, it sounds like that you know even after your retirement that a lot of the practices that you put into place are still carried on today. Is that what you know to be true?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I still stay in touch, even though, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that kind of second guesses <laughs> what's going on. But I, I stay in touch with the uh, guy who took my place and he was he was my assistant. Um, and so the county, I think, made the wise decision in appointing him. And he is also the CIO and the registrar voters, which I think is kind of a a, a good combination It provides some synergy and uh you know, when I when I took over the job, I said, well, this is my chance to either put up or shut up. I've been an IT guy my entire career, and now I'm running an operational department. So let's see what kind of technology we can put in place. And so it was that was a lot of fun for me doing that.
1: I think you were ahead of the curve because certainly we hear so much about technology in elections nowadays. And uh, while it's been there, uh, it's definitely front and center at this point in time.
2: It really is. I mean, it's – I can't imagine – in the old days, you know, hand counting ballots, and you know that's with a with a larger jurisdiction. And you know, you know how it is. People are never uh, they, they want results now. None of us like to wait. So, come come eight o'clock on that Tuesday night, uh, people want to know what the results are, and they're not very understanding when it, a week or two later we're still reporting the uh, results. So technology certainly helped us account for all the ballots, track all the equipment. I mean, there was so much to do.
1: Absolutely. Well, we really do appreciate you talking with us today and sharing your experience. Now I'll turn it over to my colleague, Chris Hughes, with this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting.
0: Did you know that Ashtabula, Ohio adopted multi-winner ranked choice voting for their city council elections in 1915, becoming the first city in the world to adopt the method for their elections? Ashtabula's use of multi-winner RCV paved the way for its inclusion in the model municipal charter put together by the National Municipal League the next year. Multi-winner RCV was ultimately adopted in 24 cities, but was repealed in 23 of those after its success in electing previously unrepresented minority groups, such as African-Americans and Italian-Americans, and a backlash from party bosses who could no longer control city councils. And that's the final round.
1: Thank you for joining us today for our March RCV clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Follow us on Twitter at RCV Resources, on Facebook, and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. And check out our website, RankedChoiceVoting.org, for more RCD resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast, too. Our theme music is Flutterby by Pottington Bear. Until next time, I'm Karen Brinson-Bell. On behalf of Chris Hughes and the rest of my colleagues at the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.